been friends for a very long time, so we thought that we'd do a podcast. Mike and Christian talking about movies, mostly from the 90s. The hardest part was coming up with names, because all the good ones were taken. Hope you like it, we think it's rad. Pretty bad movie gab. Welcome to Pretty Bad Movie Gab with Mike and Christian, a podcast dedicated to the celebration of late 80s and 90s movies with an emphasis on hidden gems and the forgotten. Mostly, as their theme song already announced, they're just two very old friends who like to talk about film. On today's episode, they're discussing The Last Dragon, 1985. And here's the synopsis from The B, as in the IMDB. In New York City, a young man searches for a master to obtain the final level of martial arts mastery known as the glow. So, man, oh, man, we recorded the first episode. Actually, we recorded the first few episodes. uh, But when we aired the first episode, we got multiple requests to do The Last Dragon. And funny enough, and this is a scream, it was already on our list. Yeah. (laughs) It's a funny thing. Come on, man. Come on. This, uh, it's, I don't even know how we're going to get through this podcast because I can't think of a single joke I could make about this movie that somebody hasn't already made. So that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. This movie's fucked up. As I was going, it's, I went in waves with this movie. Like I got to admit the first 30 minutes, I was like, this is, this is a real piece of shit. And then I kind of got into it and I realized that You'd almost have to give this two ratings, like a rating when you watch it high as fuck, which I think is how it was designed to be made. And when you watch it just normal, which is a less of an experience, but what a weird movie. I watched it normal and I actually had drugs in my possession, (laughs) but I watched it normal. I remember actually digging this movie as a kid. And it's silly, but still kind of fun. And again, I saw it first at the neighbor's house across the street. And I've watched it a handful of times over the years. And I always remember kind of enjoying it. I could see that, though. But, but now I question, what did I actually enjoy? But <laughs> as, a, as a, like a moron 12-year-old, I get that. Like, number one, kids are idiots. And two, this movie <laughs> is basically a cartoon. It's like a live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Actually, you're right. That's a perfect way to describe it. It's like a live action cartoon. Whereas other movies have tried this and failed, this actually succeeds at being that exact thing a live action cartoon. I mean, everybody's a caricature. Everybody's. And like, and it's what, 75 minutes long or something like that? Like, it's not a super long movie either. It's not like you're doing a huge commitment on this one. I maybe 110 minutes actually. Sorry. Well, yo, no, it was longer than that, and I was like wondering why. And it's because they throw in like five fucking music videos. Yeah, (laughs) I love to. I I was like, like, what the hell? Are we talking about padding it out? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it was it was funny because as as I first started watching this, I was writing down all these jokes I was going to make about just how good the quality of cocaine was in the 80s. Like, just really, really good cocaine. But then, I don't know, it's funny. I I sort of turned about halfway through the movie, and, like, there are some unbelievably funny lines in this movie. Like, stunningly funny lines that I watched two or three times. And I found, you know what it was? It was- yeah, Shoot me one of them. Every scene with, like, Shonuff and shit was magic, and every scene with, like, the criminal boss kind of brought the movie to a thudding halt. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, that guy he, uh, who plays him, again, for horror fanatics out there, the only other thing I can remember him in is uh, Maximum Overdrive as the Bible-thumping salesman. And he's way more annoying in this. I mean, it's it's just crazy how they wedge him in because there's really no point to his scenes other than he brings a gun to like the final battle, I think. But the but the other main bad guy, the one you actually care about, sure tell me tell me he he doesn't look like uh, well, just picture like a really tall, angry looking, mean Eddie Murphy. Yeah, totally looks like Eddie Murphy. So you know what? Yep. He looks like Eddie Murphy's brother who was on the Chappelle show. That's actually who I found. Yeah, Charlie. What Eddie Murphy's brother's name is. Eddie. Charlie. Charlie? Yeah. It's not Eddie too? I guess I would have been with the name of that as a kid. But yeah, no, you're right. I, I thought the same thing. He looks exactly like Eddie Murphy. So let's really quick get into the movie, although we're not even sure how to recap this one. But as you say, like the gist of it is this guy is a ninja master and he wants to go... He basically finishes his ninja training and he's time to go find the ultimate ninja master so he can learn how to glow. And then there's like six fucking other side plots that just kind of show up randomly in the movie that nobody pays attention to. Well, he's like a master at the very beginning. And I'm going to spoil it right here because he has to find like that inner master, his inner strength or whatever, just to show yeah. that he is the master. But. Again, that's at the end, and so here we are at the beginning. It starts with music galore and him just catching arrows, which is actually a cool scene because he's just casually trading, and who I thought was his master or a sunsei or whoever just decides to... Shoot arrows yeah, at him. Yeah, shoot arrows at him right out of the blue. I mean, no warning, no nothing. Just shoots away. I love, too, I was thinking of, like, this is great for last dragon who's like a ninja master but imagine like you or i are on lesson number three and he's like okay now just start working the heavy bag like, so what the fuck man did you just shoot me in the shoulder with an arrow he's like yeah that's part of my my training is to shoot people with arrows that's so aggressive i loved it i also loved the uh sexual tension between the master and the last dragon like it was through the charts everybody wants to fuck the last dragon that's the other theme in this movie yeah yeah I don't know this guy, but he's like a, has a Madonna name. There's two actors here with a single name. Yeah, There's Vanity, who of course is beautiful, yeah. and I, I don't know this guy from anything no, else. But he's been in a few other movies. I mean, what's his name? Tamak. Tamik or something like that. Yeah, it's almost pointless to do who was in this movie because nobody was in this movie. Oh no, Vanity. Vanity's in this. Vanity, movie. yeah. But a prince protege. He is the most wooden actor known to man. I mean, the similarities to American Ninja are staggering, it, with the one exception that this guy seemingly knows his kung fu. No, but this is different, though. Like, American Ninja just was wooden. This guy, I was trying to think of the right way to say this in this podcast so we don't get canceled. The most polite way I can say it is, like, I'm pretty sure he has an intellectual disability. Like, I am I think he's, he's special. Yeah. And that was my only thought through the whole movie is, like, Oh, I'm looking at a guy with like an IQ of 65 or something like that. Like, what he doesn't even know he's on the IQ scale, like moron or something like that. Like the clinical definition, because he's not just acting wooden. He's acting like, oh yeah, you are simple. That's how he comes across as like just it, again intellectually disabled. That I think is the new politically correct term for what he is. I think the director, uh, and it's very interesting because this director hasn't done a lot of things. His name is Michael Schultz. Now, the same year, he came out with a movie called Crush Groove. Now, I don't know if you know this movie. Like, pers I hadn't even heard of it. But this guy that listens to my Exploding Heads show, uh, Chris, a.k.a. Scott, a shout out, uh, he recommended, he said, you got to check out Crush Groove. Now, Run DMC's in it, mm -hmm. and there's all these other rappers in there as well. And it's padded, 
with musical numbers. Well, okay. So I think he was trying to create a new style of film, which is a fictional film padded to the tits with these music videos. Yeah, but so on that one, though, the guy who produced the movie was the head of Motown Records. So he was using the movie as a vehicle to push his, like, his- Quincy Jones? What's that? Uh, oh, oh, no, no. That's uh, Quincy Records, I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the guy's name is, but, like, that was the other thing I felt from the movie is, like, there's the guy, uh, I was really surprised, the dude who wrote the screenplay wrote it and then sold it, and they turned it into Last Dragon. I would have thought it went the other way. Like the guy who runs Motown records got like just super ruined on cocaine one night and says, I want a fucking movie. And then they banged out the script, but no, they bought this. Somebody actually wrote this on purpose. So that's weird. Well, wait a second. I looked at the writer of this. It's, it's not who I thought it's not Barry Gordon. Barry Gordon's name's above the credits. So he, he was yeah, the, he's the, Motown the guy. producer, the, the music producer. He's not the writer. He's not the director. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if it was Barry Gordon's crush groove, too. I, I mean, I don't know, but it seems like it's the same style of film. And at the end of the day, uh, I'm glad it didn't really last very long because it's just really it, extended padded sequences that drag the film down. I mean, we see we're privy to full songs from start to finish, like feel the beat of the rhythm of the night, dance until the morning light. I know that's so weird from so start to finish yet again. Yeah, it's a really hard movie to recap. So, like, just keeping us moving along, this, again, sorry, the scene opens with him. That's the quest. He's got to go become the ninja master. The next scene is, like, the bad guy. I think his name is Eric Arcadian. Did I get Sounds that? Sounds right. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> the bad guy, you, it's, all of a sudden, it's like a shift to this, this guy who owns an arcade, and he wants his girlfriend to be a video star, so he's trying to get her to be played on this D like live DJ TV show. So that's another subplot running in the background. So the next, honestly, like the next 15 minutes of this movie is setting up that this uh, vanity woman is a DJ who runs a dance club that films people. And then there's Eric Arcadian, the main bad guy who wants his Cindy Lauper rip off girlfriend to, and essentially they're like, if we can only get vanity here, we can show her how great you are and she'll put you on a show. So this is like another, and again, this goes on. I'm watching like 15. The, the acting of any of the bad guys, any of the bad guys. I mean, this might be a, an obscure comparison, but just picture like Biff's group of cronies from back to the future part two. It's like that level of ramped up. Yeah. Overacting. <laughs> They're all souped up to 11. I mean, nobody talks normal. No. I mean, you said it best at the beginning of the show. It's like a live action cartoon. They're, they're all caricatures. But then it gets weird. Okay, so let's, I don't want to jump around too much. So like, like, let's skip over all this setup shit because it's actually quite boring. The movie really starts when Last Dragon goes to watch a Bruce Lee movie in a theater. <laughs> yeah. And this theater is filled with everybody like gang members just people out on dates i believe there's a drag yep. queen in the theater no, there's a drag queen a ball watching this bruce lee movie when show enough the shogun of harlem and he's like fuck all of you i'm the best and i'm gonna kick the shit out of leroy for some reason the last dragon he's yeah, like, like like someone literally just points to him and goes like no he's the best i mean the, right the he's like just okay sit there watching the movie trying to enjoy his popcorn and he gets thrown into all this mess yep like, 
just want to eat my fucking popcorn here. I, I, I don't want to fight. Then there's like this weird movie fight sequence where he goes up to the front of the movie theater. He's like, I'll fucking fight any of you. And like three guys are like, yeah, okay, we're going to fight. And again, I'm not trying to get us canceled, but these guys are like total gay stereotypes. And they come down to fight. Yep. He's like, I don't know. He's like an overweight, obese guy. And he's got like a, you know, a cut off belly shirt. Meanwhile, our main dude is sort of like tiptoeing on the back of the tops of the chairs in the background trying to get the hell out of Dodge. It, it's so bizarre. The Last Dragon spends half the movie kicking ass and the other half running away from kicking ass. So his motivations are a little complicated. But yeah, that whole opening scene in the movie theater is just wild. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And it's, again, it's live action cartoon. It's like, these are the rules of the universe. Just uh, everybody's cool with ninjas. Everybody's super into karate. And here we go. Like, do you remember, like, the Lex Luthor and his girlfriend from, like, the 1978 Superman? The one that, like, she would always yep. wear those, like, sh shirts that showed off her cleavage? Yep. I mean, that's what they look like they're trying to recreate here. 100%. And, but, I don't know. There's, like, three or four of these scenes repeated and they're dreadful yep. i mean you said it earlier the movie stops dead for them every scene they're in it comes to a thudding halt but fortunately at around 26 movie minutes into the movie we finally get our first action sequence where eric arcadian the main bad guy decides to kidnap vanity to force her to listen to his girlfriend's music and last dragon interrupts the kidnapping and kicks ass around the car which is a fun little fight scene that also included my favorite part. I don't even know what to make of this. So he's doing the standard, the door, like the car's there, he's kicking ass and he goes to ram the guy's head into the car window. Only the window's open. So he doesn't ram his head into anything. He just, just throws, throws him into the window. Empty yep. window. Yep. Like, did they forget to close the window? Like it felt like at one point they were like, <laughs> cut, were we supposed to have a, like a sugar glass window there or something? I got, no, fuck it, nobody will know. So they probably used the sugar glass window for take one, but that right. didn't work, so they just threw him through an open window for take two right. through ten. Yeah, because he throws him through the open window and he reacts like he got put through a window, but he didn't. He just got put through nothing. It's no different than you gently putting me onto a... Anyways, but that's finally now Last Dragon. What am I putting you on? What's that? What am I putting you on? Right. gently put you on something oh yeah no i don't know where that joke is gonna go we might have to edit this whole part out but i guess you were gonna gently put me on a chair something like that but the next part is yeah so she vanity now finally meets last dragon and uh she's into him hard core into him and it's funny like i'm watching the scene she i fucked them so hard like i took a morning after pill just to make sure i was fucking not pregnant like she in fairness to her man she is doing a ton of fucking heavy lifting to get this relationship off the ground. Like she's, she has to do all the work. Yeah. She has to do all the work. He's oblivious. He barely cares. His brother who's like eight years younger. is totally into this girl and he's totally oblivious to the girl. Cause he just wants to do his Kung Fu. Well that, yeah. So that is weird too. Like, cause the next scene now is the family all eating pizza and shit like that. And the little brother. So they own a pizza shop. Yeah. Yeah. They're a black family that owns a pizza shop. And we haven't mentioned it because we're, you know, we're kind of dancing around this, but it's in the movie, guys. Uh, we didn't write the movie, but it's in the movie. So all the Asian characters act like black stereotypes in an 80s movie. And all the black characters have these Asian kung fu tendencies. 
I read like it's a very bizarre concoction. Yeah, in the lead up to this, I read quite a few thought pieces about like how this film intentionally co-opted really kind of like racial stereotypes. And I it's all too it's all above me, man. I don't know. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I couldn't tell if they were doing this intentionally or if they're doing it because they're all racist. I don't know. To but me, yeah, I I, mean, I love that they're using that argument to support it. Whereas now looking back at this as a time capsule film, it looks like it's just accentuating every stereotype of every minority group oh, represented on the screen it's nuts man yeah like it is everybody making fun of the most um basic stereotypes but in my head canon because i'm trying to tie every movie we do back to um american ninja so in my head canon this family is jackson's cousins and they're his cousins back in the states and they're all related. So, like, that's in my head. These are all the exactly. narrative universe. Because Jackson knows a lot of karate. So it stands to reason that his cousin, who owns the pizza parlor, would give birth to a karate son. So that, like, that's how I think this connection works. <laughs> that's a good connection. You have the Last Dragon's little brother, who I think in the movie is supposed to be about 15 or 16, but looks like 8 or 9. Like, this was... So <laughs> fucked up when he's doing all his bits because and he's talking about having sex and he's telling yeah. his older brother about the moves and what to do. Oh, like it's creepy. But he's fucking hilarious though. Like he is so funny in this movie. Like he's got almost all the good lines. Yep. He's doing uh definitely a Gary Coleman from Different Strokes. Like I got that vibe too. That because that different strokes was like 79 to 86. So this would have been in they would have made this through that period, but I felt he was definitely kind of doing the same tough young gary coleman wisecracking character that he made famous on different strokes what you talking about last dragon yeah <laughs> edit that in the movie what you talking about yeah that's uh <laughs> that was great so now the movie kind of goes to this weird place where we find out last dragon i guess also in addition to being a student of karate also teaches a karate studio so he's now, the next scene is him in his karate studio teaching his students, and we meet his comic relief sidekick, an Asian guy who makes fun of the fact that he's Asian. Like, that's his whole bit through the whole <laughs> yes. movie. And he even admits, he's like, everybody thinks because I'm Asian, I know karate, so I just make a bunch of karate noises, even though I can't fight. And that's basically his whole arc. That's his whole character. Making fun of the fact that, so, I don't know, weird racial overtones in this, too. Sure, it's very funny if this is like a Saturday Night Live two-minute sketch, but when it affects every, like, secondary <laughs> character in the movie, it, I mean, it kind of wears thin quickly. So now the Shogun Shonuff shows up to the karate studio and is like, Leroy, sorry, his name is Leroy, right? Like Bruce Leroy? Yeah, it is, it is Leroy. Anyways, Last Dragon, he shows up and he's like, Last Dragon, you, you know, sort of, you bailed on me at the movie theater, but now it's time for you to fight me. And, oh, and uh, yeah, kiss my converse. And kiss my, yeah, that's right, because he's got to bow to him. And now at this point, Last Dragon is like, no, I don't fight. Even though five minutes earlier, we saw him fucking go ham on four guys to save vanity. But now all of a sudden he's like, I don't fight. So Shogun, the, uh, sorry, Shonuff goes and beats up some of the people in his class and he's like, if you won't fight me, I'm going to fucking make you fight me and I'm going to show you what happens next. And that's kind of that weird karate scene. He's really trying to prove a point to his students who are looking on in horror that fighting's not the answer. When in actuality, fighting would have been the perfect answer here. Right. I mean, he needed to fight him, but he doesn't. And it ends up working against him because he looks like a coward. And maybe not at that particular moment in time, but it constantly builds. And everybody just assumes he's afraid of Shonuff. 
but he's not. And I think I'm not even sure if I'm going in order here and I'm not even sure if it matters. Fine. So with the matter, yes, I'm doing this like it's almost like Karmic McCarthy's The Road. Like you can read it in any fucking order. You can watch this movie in any sequence. And I don't actually think it makes any difference. But to be honest, all that I remember is that he glows and he catches a fucking bullet in his mouth. And and honestly, that's like the last two minutes of the movie <laughs> it is. But okay, so uh, even if I'm doing it out of sequence, I don't care. The next scene, because this scene actually, I fucking watched this three or four times. So Shonoff shows up at his dad's pizza place and starts trashing the joint. Oh God, my table, what are you doing? And there is this one, fuck, I will tell you, this is the part in the movie where I kind of turn and I'm like, okay, this maybe is one of my favorite movies of all time. Every <laughs> line the dad says during the trashing scene was fucking killing me. There's a scene at the end. I'm going to edit this in afterwards. It's rented. What's that? <laughs> it's rented. Yeah. Doesn't it get all like better? There's this great scene at the end. So the Shogun trashes the pizza place and everyone's trying to stop him. And he he turns around to the TV set and he ninja kicks both the jukebox and the TV set. And the dad's reaction is, hey, I don't own that. I don't own that. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. What a reaction is that like, oh my God, I got, I'm going to edit that in, but like, holy fuck, did that ever make me laugh? Like what a weird reaction. So good though. Well, like, yeah, this is like the dark moment of the film because the movie's been on for quite a while at this point. Yep. And it's around this point in the movie that I started feeling bad that I made you watch it. So, because I, I remember there being a lot more fighting. I mean, I yeah, I saw it as a kid and I saw it when I was older, but I still thought there was more to it. But in any There's event... There's barely any fighting in this movie. This is the dark moment of the film uh, where their pizzeria gets trashed totally trashed so even on the dark moment like i again i started killing myself laughing at a couple points in this movie and i think just because after like 40 minutes of this i had gone to like this weird place in my head but so like <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen this the next scene is like last dragon with this really deeply melancholic piano soundtrack going on in the background like think schindler's list level pathos that they're filming here. Like it's a slow close-up camera work, really minor chord piano shit <laughs> where you think he's going to go into the pizza place and find his mom's corpse covered in blood. It's like fucking $800 worth of damage. Like it's petty vandalism. The tonal shift between like his, he's got like the individual tear track running down his face. Oh my God. And again, it's like, no, it's just one insurance form. And then the pizza place. I mean, they handle that shot. It's almost like the director's like, cry. And he's like, I, I'm trying to. He's like, no, cry, damn it. He's like, I'm trying to. And then there's like a single tear that streams down his cheek. It's like when the mom goes to hug him, she like, I don't know, tugged his balls or something like that to actually make him cry. But like, fuck that scene again, that also killed me because they're playing it so straight and so serious. I'm looking around. It's like, I don't know, man, they broke a chair, a jukebox. A window. And he doesn't own it. Yeah, and he doesn't even own it. Exactly. <laughs> and then, but, but you're right, because it's like the movie's dark moment. And like every now, everyone now hates him for this. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, I fucking love that part. Like any normal family would be like, holy shit, son. It looks like you're in a lot of trouble here. Do we, should we call the cops? Should we help you out? His whole family is like, you fucking pussy. 
How dare you not fight this fucking seven foot tall homeless psychopath, you fucking loser? They're all furious with him for not getting his ass yeah, kicked by this I know. fucking coke addict who comes. Like, it's so great. I'm watching. What the fuck oh, is this? I, and I and I love gags like this. this. This gag is like right up my alley. Tell me you didn't laugh when like they threw the kid in the the, the trash can and he's like they oh. pull him up and he's like covered with like strings of spaghetti, like you know, like maybe like one random meatball and some Parmesan cheese, just like hanging off his face. It's like it's utterly ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but they do. They hate him, and that's when he starts they to cry. Him. Well, that's exactly like. I can't even remember what scene comes up next. I think the next scene is like him meeting Vanity again and his little brother also going after Vanity. I think they're both going after her and they share a moment together because he saves her from kidnapping a second time, right? Yeah, yeah. I think this is the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I, again, I could be wrong where the the brother sees him because the brother has like a, a thing, has always had his thing for vanity. And I think he sees him and they start smooching. Right. And he's very upset by that. Oh my God, Christian. Like, I think I like with apologies to everybody, because I think this is one of those lines that gets me canceled. But God damn it. I fucking lost my mind. His little brother calls him chocolate covered yellow peril. <laughs> Holy fuck. I had to rewind that three times. Like, you motherfucking chocolate-covered yellow peril. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that is a deep-cut racial insult. Man, this movie was a thing. Yeah, I, I guess this is why people wanted us to do this movie. I mean, they don't make them like this anymore. I don't even know how you would make this anymore. Like, because there has to be this cartoonish not giving a shit for this movie to work. Like, again, just when you think we've seen what the 80s is all about, like through American Ninja or Summer School or whatever, you get this. I mean, this is a time capsule. I mean, this is not going to be for everybody. I mean, some people are going to be looking at this and like, what the fuck is this? I mean, it's padded. Like, what? It's padded with, I don't know, five music videos. I mean, you can skip through all of them and not miss a thing. No, I genuinely think... If you're like, if somebody is listening to this podcast and being like, I'm going to check it out. If you have access to like a bushel of weed, take it ahead of time. Because I actually think watching this movie high would be quite fun. Oh, absolutely. But you'd have to have a bushel. You have to have a bushel, not a little. No, this is like you have to get heroically, problematically high to watch this movie. You're just getting a little bit high. You're not doing Last Dragon justice. Oh, I mean, if they cut out all the music videos and they cut out all the scenes with that gangster and his girlfriend. Uh, I figured that this movie is like, I don't know, maybe like an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, tops. I, I, in my head, I was like 45, 45. <laughs> I, I guess that's why all I remember is him catching arrows glowing and him catching a bullet. I mean, that, like that's, that's all that resonated with me. <laughs> And feel the beat of the rhythm of the night, which I have to sing every time I bring it up. <laughs> so the other part of this movie, I laughed really hard. And I guess we're kind of a little bit abandoning our format for the fucked up oddity of this movie. We're not even going in sequence anymore, but I genuinely, I don't think it matters. But no, the other part of this movie I found really, really funny is like, okay, Last Dragon is pretty ruthlessly trying to find the master to teach him how to glow. But you have this movie unfolding in the background that keeps trying to pull him into it and he keeps saying no fuck this so like even though he's got this vanity girl and this whole subplot about her getting repeatedly kidnapped he has no fucking interest in that even though his parents pizza place is getting trashed by show he has no interest in that like there's this other scene 
where Vanity takes him to her dance hall and shows him Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. And he's all excited because he loves Bruce Lee. It's like like a video DJing. Right. And in, the, in this case, it's like uh, a bunch of videos put together with the music, like a showcase. And in this case, Bruce Lee videos. Yeah, it's like almost the implication she put, she cut together an uh, entire Bruce Lee. She edited Bruce Lee movies together and put a soundtrack over it of herself singing about how awesome it would be to get the glow. But anyways, it's funny because there's this scene where Bruce Lee is dressing up as like whatever, a pizza delivery guy. And Last Dragon is like, I got it. I know what I yeah. do. But the funny thing is in Christian, in my head, I'm like, oh, this is cool. He's going to dress up like a bad guy and maybe infiltrate the Shogun for fucking with his family. Or yeah. maybe he's going to dress up and infiltrate Eddie Arcadian for fucking with his girlfriend. Nope. Nope. Going after the fucking master again. Like he <laughs> does not care that he's in this movie. It's fucking awesome. Like they can't get him to be in this movie. It's great. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, the, that whole visual thing, they, they love that gimmick. They love it so much that when Leroy goes to confront the gangster at the end, the gangster even uses it. I mean, he somehow figures it all out. So when the last dragon like breaks into the studio, the gangster's face scares him from behind like he's a <laughs> fucking Wizard of Oz or something. And like multiplied on multiple screens. And he talks to him like, Leroy! Yeah. <laughs> Leroy. And I forgot, I, what does he even want with Leroy again? I mean, did he wrong him in the past or something? Is he, yeah, so Eddie Arcadian's original plan was to kidnap Vanity and through the kidnapping, force her to play his Cindy Lauper girlfriend's clip on her show. But then it morphed to just killing Last Dragon because Last Dragon interrupted his kidnapping. And I guess his headspace was if this motherfucker would only stop interrupting my kidnappings, I could get through a successful kidnapping and get my my weird Cindy Lauper girlfriend on. And I guess I don't know, man, I'm I think I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting for the movie at this point. I don't you know. are because I'm trying to follow the narrative. And on, on one hand, it's very simple. Yet it makes no sense. Like we we pretty much said it. We could re-edit or and and or reassemble this movie and cut it right down, and you get the same gist out of it. I mean, I guess the goal is that he has to build enough relationships and friendships so that all these guys come to his aid at the end to help him out for the big climatic fight. I guess. But, I mean, where did that little kid come from? I mean, I think he's from Prey to Death. I think he's uh, Ko, uh, uh, Sho Kazugi's kid. Which one is and that little kid that seemingly is a martial arts genius? Oh, I don't know. He just shows up at the end and starts kicking ass yeah the final fight scene has more of the little kid so oh sorry we kind of skipped yeah. again but oh, oh sorry. yeah fine the final fight scene everybody shows up at the dance hall and fucking like 85 people are fighting because it's all of last dragons ninja company versus all the thugs that eddie arcadian was able to assemble and yeah there's this little kid who's like a ninja master and he takes up like 60 percent of the fight time it's not last dragon and it's the guy that can't fight like suddenly he's like shot that he can throw some punches and knock people down. I mean, right. he, he looked at his hands in like disbelief that he's actually doing it. He's like, oh, 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 oh the old magic's still there. It comes like from nowhere and he's a fighting master. Yeah, no, that was absolutely fantastic. So now I guess we are in the final fight scene and like, I don't know, it's such a weird movie, but yeah. I think it's like 20 minutes of the movie. I mean, we were saying that there's not a lot of fighting, but there is fighting here. However, it's intercut with scenes of them chasing after each other and whatnot, and there's a lot more goofiness. So I mean, a better example of this type of movie would be John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, God, yeah. God damn it. That's like, a like, no question that's a way better movie. But this, it kind of reminds me, this it has the same sort of vibe, I mean, sort of. 
just the craziness of it all. But this is more comical. It's a PG-rated fight. No oh, yeah. blood. You know, lots of flips. Gags like people's pants falling down and getting hit in the butt. I mean, they're going for laughs. So you can see why if you're like 10 to 13 yeah. uh, in this time frame, why you, you'd most likely love this movie. So there's another part at the end that, again, I'm going to edit this in after the podcast just because it made me laugh so fucking hard. Last Dragon is going after Eddie Arcadian and he pulls out like a throwing dagger or a throwing knife and whips it at him. And it kind of just almost hits him, but kind of hits the board by his head. Eddie Arcadian's reaction is, holy shit. Like this great reaction of like, he's genuinely <laughs> fucking stunned that the fight has escalated to this level that this random 18 year old intellectually disabled weirdo is throwing knives at him. And his reaction is so genuinely surprised. I'm not doing it justice, but my God, I laughed at that one. Holy shit. Holy shit. But yet they, they bring the gun like they want to kill him. I mean, of course it's going to happen. So I did skip over this part of the movie. Like, this is the general thing I noticed, which I think I found it charming. This movie is so tonally off from scene to scene to scene to scene. Like, you know, the scene where Eddie Arcadian's girlfriend breaks up with him. They yeah. act the absolute shit out of that scene. Like, really decent quality acting that elevates the screenplay. Like, I'm watching this going... Like, it's Kramer versus Kramer. Right, yeah. Like, all the... Yeah, totally. It's like, they're like, this is going to be the part, part we put on the Oscar reel when we're fucking... <laughs> yeah, sending the, the best actor like, goes to the last drink. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I found like there are these weird moments and it's like no different when he's coming into the $800 worth of light vandalism acting like his mother just got crucified like <laughs> there's just these weird tonal shifts in the movie where it's like they couldn't even figure out what movie they wanted it to be anyways yeah then we come to the final fight which is finally last dragon versus uh shown off the shogun and Shonoth starts to glow red because he's already got the power of the glow. And at this point, and again, holy fuck, I started laughing here. So the one thing we haven't really talked about, you've referenced it a bunch of times. Not only does the movie intersperse videos, the movie sings to itself as it's going on. So in oh. this final scene, as you got the glow, last yeah, as Last Dragon is fighting off, the song breaks in, and this guy's like, "You gotta take life one day at a time." And I fucking lost it. I'm like, "Yeah, just as a seven foot tall, red glowing death samurai is about to kill you in an abandoned warehouse while your girlfriend watches, eh, take life one day at a time," you know. Some days are good. Yeah. Days, some days are bad days. Like the music is so casual about what's happening as it's like, you got to just roll with the punches, ninja. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It goes like, you got the glow. You got yeah. the glow. <laughs> I mean, it cuts between them fighting and then between them wisecracking with each other and then back to them fighting again. But ultimately, and I, I gave this up very early in the podcast. It's one of those life lesson moments when he fully realizes that, there was no master he needed to find. The master was always in him. Power was in him the whole time. And he finally unleashes his inner master, his glow, which is orange, yeah. and he kicks ass. And now we're talking full cartoon here. Oh. Both of them glow, and with every punch, there's an explosion of different bursts of color. That's the part where I could see if you were a 12-year-old kid, that 
climax between like that final fight scene between him and Shogun would have been about the coolest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Like I actually get why a 12 year old would watch that and go like, okay. Cause probably if you ever rewatch this movie, just fast forward it to the final scene over and over and over again. Like nobody's watching yeah. the, the crime scenes and shit like that. And You're the music videos, as we've already said, and, and we forgot to say though, uh, that it's mentioned early in the movie that the master or maybe just Leroy himself can catch bullets in his mouth that we haven't seen this of course but now that we're in the climax the gangster pulls a gun out on leroy and fires a shot but this of course is after he stuffs shenuff into a barrel yeah <laughs> that's as as you do thinking that he's killed leroy the gangster kicks him over you know to make sure he's dead and we see that leroy's cut the bullet in his teeth Got the bullet in his teeth yep he absolutely did. That is a skill that ninjas possess. I don't know why American Ninja didn't use that. He had to dodge bullets like an asshole. He could have just dropped them all. <laughs> Fucking American Ninja. I knew he was a piece of shit. So I love at the end, too, like just a couple random thoughts that we didn't get to for the movie because there was but like, I got to admit, the love scenes between Last Dragon and Vanity made me really uncomfortable. And I'm not even doing a bit here. Like, genuinely, she's a 35-year-old woman aggressively coming on to an 18-year-old mentally handicapped child. Like, what handicap? he is, man. He That is the only way his character makes sense if he's developmentally disabled. So I'm watching this scene feeling like she is so thirsty. And he's, like, I mean, no offense, he reminds me of Kyle a little <laughs> bit. Like, nobody... Nobody, except for like three people who listen to this podcast are going to get what we're talking about. But like, yeah, everybody's got a Kyle but in like, their life. But like, he's just, he doesn't react like he's just so simple and naive that I just felt like she's essentially a predator. If she had been like, man, gender roles are reversed on that one. And she's a 35 year old man going after an intellectually handicapped 18 year old girl. It's a different movie at this point. But anyways, so the love scene. Yeah, her name should be Felony. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so the love scene made me feel pretty uncomfortable. I didn't care for that too much. And I think I'm just trying to see in my notes if we uh, if we didn't cover anything else. I think that's actually just about all of it. But yeah, no, I mean, that's. That's The Last Dragon for you, man. What a weird movie. Fucking bizarre. I mean, I think we've given you all an accurate taste of what to expect. I, I mean, I, I can't recommend it, no. but yet you need to see it. Well, right. So this, yeah, this would be like a, uh, yeah, definitely this falls in the so bad it's good kind of category. Like, and again, I actually think if you are high, it's probably pretty, and I listen, I got to admit, I did laugh pretty hard at a couple things. I don't know if it was an intentional, I was supposed to laugh. But I definitely did find parts of it pretty funny. We didn't even cover the fact that like his little brother dances his way out of his ropes when he's captured. Like that's his whole yeah. arc is dancing his way to safety. I mean, he Billy Jeans his way out of it. He literally yeah. shimmies out <laughs> dancing out of his ropes. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so good. And just like, I don't know, the fact that the the only lines Last Dragon says to Vanity through the whole movie is talking about he has no skill with fucking, which again, like it's, there's this great scene with them in the car where he's talking to Vanity. He's like, listen, I have this friend who doesn't really have any moves, if you know what I mean. Like doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, can you use some help with moves? And Vanity's like, I'd show your friend some moves. And he's like, oh no, it's not, it's not for me. It's for my friend. And I'm like, well, what did you want from that 
Last Dragon? Like, what did you expect to happen? Like, I mean, does that work? Because I would have used that all the time if that worked that well. I, I mean, I, I could just pretend that I didn't know how to fuck. But you don't, Christian. You're rusty. We established that like 15, 20 years ago. But like, yeah. And yes, we would follow you around in the background after you were done talking to girls. Like, our friend is actually not very good at sex. FYI. He's rusty. Well, so then actually it was pretty true to life then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, so that is The Last Dragon. Definitely not a recommend, but it is an experience for sure. Yeah. So next week is my pick. One of our listeners suggested that one of the things we should be doing is telling people what the next movie is. So if they feel like watching it in the intervening week. Oh. And I decided, Christian, I'm going to, this one's for my sister. Next week's movie is going to be The Money Pit. The 1986 Ooh. Tom Hanks comedy is my sister's favorite movie. So we're going to do that one next. Was this Tom Hanks' first Oscar nomination? I just assumed he get nominated for everything. <laughs> That's right. It went, it went this, Philadelphia, and then uh, Saving Private Ryan. I remember one moment of this movie that a turkey goes through a window. Oh, I barely. Uh, the only thing I remember is the tall European dude from Die Hard is now a conductor in the movie. I remember finding that very jarring when I watched this the first time. But well, I'm looking forward to it. The Money Pit. Yep, the Money Pit's next. 1986, baby. Tom Hanks at the peak of his charming post bosom buddy run, pre Philadelphia, pre serious Tom Hanks, all comedy Tom Hanks. Well, thanks everyone for checking out episode five, and of course. We said we'll be back next week with another episode of Pretty Bad Movie Gab. Take care, everybody. Right? Yes. We gotta stop it. Believe me, we gotta stop the movie. He's right, yes. It's the movie. Stop the movie.